0: This is Apex Empowered, the design podcast that breaks down the walls of misperceptions around our industry, bring you new ways of approaching your environment, and giving you inspiration for living your best design life. I'm Rudolf Jordan, and thank you for choosing to be Apex Empowered. This episode is sponsored by Landor & Fitch. Rian Miller, African representative of the Landor & Fitch International Branding and Consultancy Agency, are with us, and he is going to let us in on the global importance of consulting with experts and what branding involves from an environmental design perspective. Thank you for joining us, Rian. We get bombarded with branding and marketing in all its forms on a daily basis, from the moment we go onto social media in the mornings to our drive to work. Is it something we can ignore?
1: Thank you, Rudy. Yes, so Landor and Fitch today operate as one company, but both companies bring decades of experience in the branding field. What the branding field is today is also very different to what it was decades ago. So in the past, uh, what you would have um, experienced as, let's call it branding and inverted commas, um, is today incorporating many, many facets, including digital and environment, or what we call experiential design. So experiential design uh, basically takes into consideration the spaces and the environments that brands operate in. So while we are bombarded by visuals, when we are, let's say, like you mentioned, on our way to work, companies are getting more and more sophisticated in how they communicate to their buyers or their consumers. So you and I, see multiple things when we're on our way to work, but when we're actually in a purchasing uh, scenario, when we're in a shop or in a retail environment, it's very different today to what it was, let's say 20, 30 years ago, because companies are getting very clever in the way they are marketing their products and services to us. And um, it's also this kind of material that we
0: need to consider as their brand identity that also shows us their business strengths, their market positioning, and their functionality. How has this evolved over the last couple of years? And how did we as consumers participate in this process
1: through our behavior? So an example that I like to, to use, and the shop unfortunately is not on South African soil, but if you've ever been near an Abercrombie & Fitch shop, Uh, When I say near it, you only have to be near it to smell that shock. Oh, yes. So uh, that type of sensorial design, or if you think of a company or a brand like Emirates, Emirates was one of the first people or first companies in the world to be very clever with sonic branding, in other words, sound branding. They uh, had, um, I can call it the jingle, I guess, that they used very effectively in every piece of marketing material. doesn't matter where in the world you were or what you were listening to. If you heard that jingle, you associated that with Emirates. So where we are used to the visual, what we can see in terms of colors or uh, signage, for example, what we experience these days are becoming more and more important, like sound, like smell, and also coming down to textures and touch. So companies and, and brands are getting very sophisticated in the way they uh, they use uh, materials and um, everything tactile for us to associate with their brands. It's not only about what you see anymore. And that's why the, the bar is very high. Many companies around the world do this very well and South Africa and Africa is uh, not far behind to doing things in a very similar way. We did a a rebrand of a bank in uh, Nigeria not too long ago, and they used a local Nigerian uh, artist or a a fashion designer, I should say, to come up with a very Nigerian type of texture or a pattern, which they then used inside their branches. So what better way to tell your consumer that you are fully Nigerian Mm -hmm. Looking after the audience that's 100 percent Nigerian by using such a powerful tool to uh, to use in your in, uh, in your environments and your spaces where customers interact with your brand. and you're also supporting
0: local art and artisans. Absolutely. I hear what you're also saying about this environmental design. It really has been a, a buzzword that has been around for ages. But we are definitely seeing corporates and smaller businesses also applying this technique more and more
1: by them using what they already have, which are the interior spaces. Exactly. So many aspects of brand uh, is not necessarily uh, that obvious to the man in the street. So when you when you start to study the associations with color, for example, they are very... Um, very specific, but somewhat subliminal reactions that people have towards color. For example, we when we worked with uh, Mediclinic here in South Africa, but also Mediclinic worldwide, they had a, a look at their environments. Now, I have to caveat this, that Mediclinic, of course, is a very specialized organization. So, its uh, their spaces still have to be super functional Absolutely. in terms <laughs> of what they have to achieve, but For people that are um, in those spaces, there is probably a heightened uh, sense of anxiety when you're in a medi-clinic space for obvious reasons. So what they achieved and what they they set out to achieve is to create spaces that caused people or that helped people to be calm and relaxed through colors and through textures. So while the spaces had to be, of course, super functional and and very high tech in what they have to achieve in the environment of a hospital, it also uh, has to be calming or they, they set out for the spaces to be very calming. So large windows to let in natural light, to let uh, patients see the outside world, lots of trees, lots of greenery, beautiful spaces that ultimately is a hospital. And uh, most people are probably not at a hospital out of choice, but uh, because they have to be there for, for some reason or another. I'd love to hear about that extension about the, the interior
0: and the exterior meeting each other in, in the effort to change behavior.
1: So, so specifically with that, um, while they did not necessarily uh, renovate their hospitals in terms of, let's say, enlarging windows. They made a very, very deliberate decision that um, waiting, not waiting rooms, but wards where patients are awaiting uh, to go into theatre had a lot of natural light, where in the past there was perhaps not such a huge emphasis on that. So where they weren't able to achieve that, they then decorated the areas with uh, what we consider to be calming colors so uh, uh, lots of blues and lots of greens that are known to be through research that we that we do and that that our business does around the world indicate that are of a calming effect on uh, people in general given this consciousness
0: now around healthy environments do you have other examples where employees and patrons and clients And um, other brands are also approaching their space and their offering.
1: So we're in an interesting time with COVID. So I think we will have to wait and see a little bit longer or wait a little bit longer to see how what we've experienced in the last 12 months change companies' approaches to their spaces. But um, as a general comment, the days of filling spaces with purchasable products are slightly or are changing in the way that experiences of the product has become much more important. So recently we did a project for Lego, um, where they actually reduced the number of, uh, things that you can purchase in the shop and use that space to let ultimately kids, I know a lot of adults like to play with Lego as well, Absolutely. but ultimately kids best. were interacting with Lego, um, and it became a playing space where I guess you could also say that people were uh, adults or parents were taking their kids there and saying, okay, you play in this space while I go to three <laughs> or four other shops. Maybe that was not the intention that Lego had, but that's what's happened. There's a much more focus on on experiencing the brand as opposed to merely being a space where people go and purchase. What then happens is those Kids experience the brand, the adult then goes online and purchase the product. Perhaps the product is not available in that shop and they go online and shop online. I mean, online shopping, whether we like it or not, is is here to stay and here to, to overtake the shopping experience as we know it. If you look at South Africa and the way, for example, banking in South Africa, the way banks interact with their customers these days also the functionality of what a bank branch has to do these days. It's no longer about tellers handling large numbers of or large amounts of cash. It's much more of a space where you go to resolve problems. So it is much more about interacting with a consultant in an environment that resembles perhaps a coffee shop or a lounge these days. And all of the banks are sort of following this trend. And they also offer free coffee, I suppose. Um, I think some are. I don't know about all the all the banks in our country. It's definitely that specifically with banking. That is something we see around the world. I'm working with a merger of two big banks in Saudi Arabia at the moment. And while the whole shift away from self-service as opposed to full service with lots of interaction with individuals, there is a shift away to self-service in digitized branches. And of course, then those often come with uh, partnerships with major coffee brands or their own coffee brand um, and and turn those spaces into something that feels a lot more like a coffee shop or a lounge as opposed to a traditional bank as we know it. And how has the digital age also changed the way we interact
0: with these spaces?
1: So uh, a great example is a, another client of our Singtel, which is a telecoms company in Singapore. So Singtel recently has developed, um, it's, it's technically a pop-up shop, but it's done in a way that it, it doesn't sort of move around. It, it can be installed in a specific space and stay there. And it's a fully unmanned shop that you access with facial recognition or with fingerprint uh, identification. And then you have the ability in the shop to interact with a person, but through a video call or through voice. And you are able to experience all the products in the shop. And then if you want to purchase something, the shop has a bunch of, um, let's call them lockers, that are digitally or remotely released for whatever purchase you want to make. So the lockers are stocked with different products. Imagine there's an iPhone in one locker and that's what you want to purchase. then. It gets remotely unlocked, the door opens, and you take your product from that shop. There's also the ability for you to go into that shop and say, actually, I have a problem with this product. Can you unlock an empty locker? And I'll put my product in that locker, and I'll see you in two days or wow. three days for you to to basically fix the problem.
0: When I hear this, I'm also hearing that people are offering less product, but they're also producing and offering a more focused product?
1: I think that's 100% correct. I think it's all about answering the exact question for the consumer or the exact need for the consumer. It is much more of a focused approach these days. And companies are getting very good at this. They're getting very good at giving the consumer exactly what they what they need and what they want. It Again, we're in an interesting time where It might sound strange to some people to say, well, you're cutting the interaction with the individual out or you're minimizing the interaction with the individual. But think of how the last 12 months have been for us in terms of the the COVID scenario. So in a way, as humans, we still like the human interaction, but we're all a little bit cautious of too much of that interaction, especially with someone that you don't know incredibly well. So I, I, I have a feeling this, this move away and this move to digitization is here to stay. I'm not so sure it can happen with every type of industry. I, I'm not so sure I'm, I'm going to enjoy getting my coffee served to me by a little robot as opposed to an individual. But time will tell how we, how we actually feel about this going forward. Rian, it's really inspiring to see how the
0: thinking has shifted and how important such a conversation is to every business out there. I also wish to encourage more businesses to talk to their designers about exploring disciplines such as surface design more to develop a unique tactile
1: environment. The the one thing to to remember here is doesn't matter how big or small you are, consumers or customers are getting very sophisticated in the way we deal or the way we interact with those products and services that we like to consume so whether you're a bank or whether you're a telecoms company versus a very small niche shop selling a very specific product that I like to consume the the space and the environment that you create for me to interact with your brand is becoming more and more important Thank you, Ryan, and best wishes for the massive task of unifying
0: the world cultures and beliefs through your work. Thank you very much. For more information or to get into contact with us, please visit our website at www.apaxdesign.co.za or visit our Instagram handle at apex
1: design.